0: And well, I, we, don't, I don't. I don't have an hour, guys. Legs, but, uh,
1: <laughs> oh, you got it. Yeah.
0: Well, I I do have a hard limit, guys. I'm sorry. Um, we the the baby uh, has got to get up, and we've got uh, things that we have. Uh, that we have planned. selfish. I mean, you can't share. I
2: well, you know how many conversations <laughs> we have that end with Oh, the baby. I've got it. That's just a that's just a get out of jail. Okay oh. all right oh
0: my uh, you've you discovered my clever boy. <laughs> All
1: right, so, I'll go fast then for the for encouragement the <laughs> to- uh, and Andrew you can just step out
2: whenever you like um, just uh, just uh, quietly close the door to Skype and uh, we'll we'll keep on keeping on thanks for showing up.
0: Okay guys look uh, if I don't have anything else to say I appreciate you both uh, allowing me into this episode.
2: Yeah, and if, if you want to pop in two hours later while we're still going about the Incarnation. <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> no, no, once I hit the red button, man, that's, <laughs> I, you know, that's freedom.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, uh, before Dale gets going, I just want to apologize to uh, Oakley, uh, Tara's dog, for uh, the extended walk uh, that he is getting with his poor little legs. They, they, they're probably two-hour legs. But this is probably going to be a three and a half hour walk. My apologies.
1: Dale? I love it. Okay. Okay. So so with the Trinitarian controversy uh, basically solved um, with the Council of Nicaea for most Christians um, uh, and the Council of Constantinople in 381, which sort of corrected some of the language issues with the original of Nicaea. Then we get into the inc- what I call the incarnation debates. And this lasted from the late fourth century and up until the seventh century AD. And this is debating, okay, uh, the Bible said, clearly says Jesus was God. He was Yahweh, he shared that divine identity. And he was clearly a human being. Suffered, died, he was tempted, he, he didn't know things. He was a human being. Um, so the incarnation debates are okay, um, so we've solved that Jesus is God, we've solved that Jesus is human. How the heck does that make sense? Um, you know, how do we work within those limit, those parameters to make a coherent notion? So, uh, just to give uh, some relevant historical background, there are fundamentally again, two principal schools on this front. So the first is uh, called the monophysite position. Um, this is a was condemned as a heresy. Uh, it's also known as logos flesh, or uh, comes from Alexandria. So the Alexandrian notion of Christology and Monophysite looked Jesus has one nature. That's that's what they believe. Um, sort of like a, a hybrid nature where, uh, or I think it's called theo anthropic where the divine nature and the human nature's combine and mix to form one sort of hybrid or deified, one deified nature that's sort of like a hybrid or mixture of the human and the and the former divine nature. Then there's the second position, which is uh, the orthodox position, the position I'm going to be arguing for, the diophysite position, also called Logos Man, or it comes from Antioch, so the Antiochian Christology. This says, nope, Jesus had two complete natures, one divine, one human. He was 100% fully divine, he was 100% fully human. Um, and that later on, you know, uh, so there's certain, okay, so in the first place, what is a nature? I should explain that. What does it mean to have a a human nature or a divine nature? So in philosophy, a nature simply means that, look, it lists out all the essential properties or attributes that are distinctive of a particular kind of thing. So Jesus had all the necessary or essential attributes of exemplifying a divine kind of thing. He also had all the properties or attributes that are essential to representing or identifying a human kind of thing. And it's important to note that both sides of the debate, the monophysites and the diophysites, both all agreed that, look, God, Jesus did not give up his divine nature. He did not empty himself of properties like being omniscient or omnipotent and stuff like that. He didn't give up any essential properties of being the divine kind or divine nature. All he did was gain additional properties that were essential for being a human nature. Um, So this isn't a transformational view like the pagans had, where Zeus is said to give up divinity to become a bull, and he has all the properties of bull, but no properties of being a god. And then somehow he switches back. Um, so this isn't a transformational view in that sense. Um, he, he has these different things. So um, basically to, to illustrate uh, how this works, so there were certain heretics that arose that took the extremes. The monophysite is sort of the extreme, look, there's only one hybrid nature. So to picture it, picture a glass cup this is, there's one person and he has two natures. The two natures uh, are represented by water and wine. Uh, the glass is the one person. So if you pour water and wine into one person or glass, they mix and become one mixed substance or hybrid substance. Um, another analogy for the opposite end with Nestorius, who is a heretic, um, who advocated that he stressed, look, the two natures are complete, they're distinct, they're totally gone. Uh, they're to- they don't mix, there is no mixture, that's that's heresy. Um, but what he did was say, effectively, not only is there two nature complete natures, but there have to be two wills. There's the divine will of the logos and there's the human will of Jesus. There are two souls, uh, and this comes from Aristotle. Notion of what it means to be human. So there's the human soul of Jesus. There's the divine soul of um, of God. So this already this already contradicts my notion of the Trinity trinitarian model because the divine persons aren't souls. There's only one soul. But um, so basically, he said, look, there are two persons, two natures. There's two cups. And then you pour water into one cup, you pour wine into another cup. This is not the model that I, I think is true. I take the path that the Council of Chalcedon made. Um, and this happened in 451. And this distinguishes all uh, imperial Christians, let's say. This led to the first split in church history between the Eastern Orthodox, Catholics, and Protestants. We all adopt the Chalcedon model, as I do, I think it's cr- the correct one. Um, but then there's the Syriac uh, and Church of the East, which are uh, basically heretics. They they went on with either Nestorius in the Far East going into China and India, uh, or in Baghdad, they took on a monophysite um, position and stuff like that. Um, so this, is the fir- this represents the first split in, in church history. Um, but the Chalcedon took a middle road. It said, no, look, the two, the two natures are distinct, they are complete, um, and they, they added the thing they don't mix. There's no confusion or blending of the two natures within the one person. So they stress without division, without any separation. So you don't have two glasses, you don't have two peeps. Um, so basically the analogy for this is, look, we have one person, one glass cup, and I pour uh, one nature, the water, and then I pour oil. The two don't mix, oil just sits on top of the water. So he has two natures within the one cup or one person. So so that's the analogy to try and understand the different positions on this historically. Um, Now the creed itself doesn't say, well, how how do you make sense of this? How, how How does this analogy of one person with two natures being like oil and water, how does that work? And this is where I get into my victorious incarnation model as I call it. Um, So essentially with Chalcedon I say yep I agree there is one person uh, who had two complete natures and uh, one was fully uh, human, the other was fully divine. And we have to understand when we're talking about natures here, we're talking about a kind nature as opposed to an individual nature essence, and that's what the doctrine is getting at. Um, so obviously Jesus only had one essence as, as a individual person and that sort of thing unique to him. He had the property of being uh, having a human nature and the property of having a divine nature and that sort of thing. But the creeds are saying, look, he had two complete kind natures, right? One divine kind of nature, the other a human kind of nature. Um, But yet he was one hypostasis or one individual person. Um, So I I fully affirm this aspect. Um, I think you guys got that from the Council of Chalcedon and the the, um, analogies of the glasses and the liquids. The second element here is, okay, well, how the heck does Jesus acquire a human nature? And this is where you can't really rely on the ancients, because they had a mistaken notion of what a person was. Uh, or, or sorry, what um, a nature the human nature entailed. It comes from a false Aristotelian anthropology where they believe, well, you had your uh, you know a spirit, and the humans had an animal soul, they had a rational soul, uh, or noose in Greek, and uh, then they had their physical body. I, I reject all that. I just say, look, it's simple. There's a rational mind. Um, that's the divine logos. Jesus in his pre-incarnate state had all the faculties sufficient for personhood. And that when that becomes embodied, so therefore that's the divine nature right there. And when that becomes embodied in a human body governed by the human genome, whatever scientists give to specify this is a human body, not a dog or a chimp body or something like that based on the, the genetics. Um, once that happens a divine mind becomes embodied in a human body um, then he takes on the human nature there, there is no such thing as a human mind or a divine mind there's just a mind we are God we are made in God's image we are exactly like him in the sense that we are minds we have a set of rational faculties now there are differences in degrees obviously he's omniscient and we're not but that isn't uh, inherent. Um, to the human nature that we aren't omniscient. Um, so uh, this this is what I'm saying. a divine mind became gained a human body and in, that's the essence of what a human nature is. It's a mind uh, or person that is embodied in uh, a human body physical body governed by the genetics of a human homo sapien. Um, boom, that that's how he acquired. Without losing his divine nature, that's how he acquired this Homo sapien uh, model, uh, Homo sapien nature. Now, the third element. This is where uh, things get a bit tricky because Jesus, in order to be biblically consistent, look, well, Jesus didn't know things. He was te- tempted by sin, and that was a true temptation, I would say. Um, he wasn't. He wasn't. In the Old Testament, with these theophanies, where Jesus, I would say Jesus appears in human form, that isn't an incarnation. Je- Jesus wasn't truly tempted. Jesus was basically Superman faking it. Uh, you know, he, he had his divine, he was consciously omniscient, he, he was omnipotent and actively omnipotent, just manifesting himself in the form of a human body uh, in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, with the incarnation, the difference is, look, here, he gets the divine nature or divine attributes were subliminal or subconscious. And depth psychology proves that minds have a conscious conscious portion and a subconscious portion. So Jesus, in their divine nature, the divine persons are fully conscious. There, there is no subconscious mind. When Jesus became incarnate, his divine attributes uh, became subliminal or subconscious and this is uh, why he doesn't know things or he he's depicted as uh, he, he suffers pain like a human being and stuff like this. And This explains these human limitations of Jesus, yet at the same time there are aspects where the subconscious leaks through and, and he gets some of his omniscient divine knowledge in certain things and as a prophet he makes these pro- proclamations and stuff like that because as we know from depth psychology, sometimes the subconscious leaks things into our conscious minds or, or you know, you have things like the Freudian slip, if you believe that. Um, so, like, that, that's sort of the model that I think is happening with Jesus. His superhuman abilities were subliminal only during his time of humiliation on Earth. Post-ascension, there, there's no more subconscious thing. He, he has his human body, but he is Superman again. He is consciously... Uh, omniscient. He is actively omnipotent. Uh, he's regained his he exalted position, as Philippians chapter 2 would say. Um, so, although Philippians 2 is functional, not ontological, but, yeah, um, so it's only during this time of humiliation that his divine is uh, becomes subconscious or subliminal. This is the model, and, and sometimes it leaks through. This is why we get prophecies and stuff like that. And um, so, yeah what's okay so so here's here's the issue then with this subliminal thing two two things to mention so in the first place what is the div- I, I described what the human nature is but what about the divine nature is it essential that you have to be actively omnipotent uh or uh consciously omniscient let's say and i, I got into debates with shabir ali about uh, uh, who's an islamic apologist about this and my argument is no it's it's not essential um, to the Godhead, um, for for e- any divine person to be um, consciously omniscient, you can be subconsciously omniscient or potentially omniscient, and, and skeptics agree with this, it's the same distinction between, well, does God have to be actively loving versus just potentially loving, is one greater than the other, and, and no, I think modal logic affirms, look, if, if X has the power to gain the power to do A, then X already has the power to do A. Uh, it just takes two steps to do that. Um, and it's the same with omniscience or, or any of the other subliminal uh, divine properties, I would say. Uh, in effect, it, it's the same thing. He does have the, the ability to go back to this. If his uh, either conscious or I would say more subconscious because that's where the divine logos inhabits fully. Um, I don't think Jesus, believe it or not, I don't, I'm not convinced that Jesus himself historically Knew he was God prior to his crucifixion, um, or at least dur- during his ministry. There, there are. I'm not entirely. I'm open to the fact that Jesus wasn't aware, consciously aware, that he was God in the flesh during his ministry. Um, if he was, great. I'll I'll take that. That that's so much better. Um, but I'm not sure that's necessary. So so long as the subconscious had the power to. Regain is divine nature, that's all that's necessary here. Um, and this leads into the, the next one. Well, there are some uh, damnable heretics, I would say, uh, who are canonic Christi- Christians or hold to canonic Christolo- Christology based on Philippians 2. They'll say this isn't. <clears throat> Jesus had an ontological emptying of his divine properties. He couldn't, he he wasn't even omnipotent sub, subliminally, or he wasn't omniscient subconsciously. He lost the, he shed his divine attributes. Like when you get a haircut, you shed your, your hairs are gone. They're no longer a part of you. When he assumed the human nature. So he was fully human. Um, but yet they'll say, well, he was still divine somehow. So basically they're saying omniscience, either potential omniscience or, or, sub, or uh, subconscious omniscience and conscious or active uh, omniscience, that's not an essential property of the divine nature. That can be That's just contingent to the divine nature. And that is, that is heresy. That is totally wrong. Um, no, you, you can't get rid of that. Uh, it's, it's basically they're saying Jesus had all the properties of being a regular, ordinary human being, and that's divine. So so, what's the difference? The, there's no distinction between a divine nature and a human nature, and obviously they're not identical. So, so this view is just heresy. Um, and in addition, there, there are arguments that prove um, that God is necessary in um, those specific properties, the maximally great making properties or maximally excellent making properties are logically necessary to be a maximally excellent being and or a maximally great being. So yeah, the the, the view that questions whether things like omniscience or omnipotence are contingent uh, properties of God, no, that's an essential part of the divine nature, I would say, and therefore you have to go with this model that in explaining the Bible verses where Jesus does not display these, proper, these divine properties in an active way, well, that's because that can be explained because they're subliminal or in the subconscious divine logos part of the part of Jesus' mind. Um, yeah, that's that's my uh, oh uh, a helpful analogy uh, that I think will help explain what I'm seeing here comes from the movie Avatar, and and there are it's not an exact now there are holes with the analogy, um, but it'll help give you a sense of what I'm saying. So in the movie Avatar by James Cameron. Basically, it posits, look, that there are genetically engineered alien Navi physical bodies um, that can be assumed by a human consciousness through some machine. I've, I've never seen the movie, so I'm just going based on what I've heard about it. Um, and that, that assumes, so you, you are a human consciousness that becomes subconscious. Your human body's asleep and your, your conscious mind is now indwelling a Navi body. You assume a Navi nature. Uh, this that The Navi is the name of the alien or whatever that they are. That's the type of alien. So they have a Navi nature, but simultaneously, they still have their human nature. They're, in a, they're an embody. they're a mind that's embodied in a human body uh, that's just asleep. They're subconsciously, and their conscious mind is inhabiting this Navi body, uh, uh, displaying a Navi nature and going about their business. So uh, as incredible as it sounds, um, sinful... Uh, Hollywood, degenerate Hollywood. If you're so against them and stuff, uh, believe it or not, they support me. They support Christians. They they help provide some insight th- of what the incarnation might look like. How can one person, one mind, simultaneously have two natures? Um, well, uh, there you go. There you go. That that helps illustrate how one can have a human nature and a Navajo nature. And it's if you can accept that, it's even easier um to accept how a divine Jesus divine nature um could assume a human nature you you don't even have the complication of having two physical bodies um to deal with so yeah that's my my case
2: okay okay
1: um <laughs> you don't sound impressed <laughs> no no okay so,
2: so let's just so that let's was, just start at the end you seen the movie you would know they that would they were called nubby, nubby.
1: No, okay. Okay. So, okay. No. What did I call them?
2: Something else. Okay. See. So um um yeah. So anyway, I I think that's a fairly rough analogy for you, um, to be honest. Uh when I saw it in your write up. Um, I I I thought it was a, a reach. <laughs> so um I'm not gonna beat up on it. For too long, I would just say that um, this is this is a man inhabiting a a Navi suit. <laughs> he's he's remote controlling um, a, a Navi body, but he never stops being a human. He is right. not. He's not nubby. He doesn't take on a nubby nature. He's just controlling a body. You can control a robot in the same way. That doesn't make you a robot.
1: So, let me ask, can I just ask, uh, because I haven't seen the movie, but it's not like he's just playing like a video game controlling the character. He, his consciousness is actually indwelt in the Navi body.
2: Sure, but that's like saying you hooked up a bunch of electrodes so that you feel like you're inside the robot. It's still, it's still a human controlling a robot. So right. w- whether whether you, you know, are tricked into in a VR kind of way of thinking that you're inside the robot body, that's that's irrelevant. That's just a matter of interface. The, the fact of the matter is you're still a human controlling a robot. You're not a robot.
1: No, that's that's that's. So I, I forget you should watch the movie. <laughs> no, but look at so, this. Way. No, so, so a human, he retains his human nature, right? Because what is a human nature? It's a mind.
2: Yeah, he, does, he doesn't merely retain his human nature. He never stops being human at any point. He's human controlling a thing. No, that, okay, so. It's, it's called yes. an avatar. Right.
1: And no, it. It, the,
2: whole, the whole idea of the avatar is it's a thing that is controlled remotely by another thing. But,
1: um, put kind it of this stand way. stand in,
2: a representative, if you will.
1: But, but okay, so, so try to focus. So he, he retains, he's still a human. He retains his human nature, right? Because what is the human nature? It's a mind that is embodied in a, a human body governed by the human genome. Contrary, what uh, on the other side, what is a na- what does it mean to have a Navi nature? And I would say it's the same thing. a mind that is embodied by a, a, a physical body governed by the genetics of a Navi uh, genome. Um, he, he assumes the Navi nature. His conscious mind is controlling, is embodied in this Navi nature governed by a, a Navi genome. At the same time, subconsciously, unconsciously, I'm, I'm assuming he's asleep when he's remote controlling this Navi thing, and, and his subconscious is still a human nature because it's, it's a subconscious mind that's embodied in a, a physical body governed by the human genome. So he has both simultaneously his conscious one is mind is in the Navi part and his subconscious is in the human body. Um, so I, I, I do follow you. I've seen the movie a few times. Okay. Uh, which gives me a little bit of an advantage.
2: <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so I would, I would say maybe you should watch the movie, uh, and see if your analogy still holds up. I, uh, and it could be just a matter of perennial debate over science fiction topics, which I can do for the next couple of hours because I'm that kind of nerd. Um, but I wouldn't want to have that debate with someone who hasn't even seen the source material. So I, I wouldn't find it. I'd love to ask a question.
0: Sure. L- uh, I'd, sorry, I came back from the dead.
1: Who uh, <laughs> are <Before> you again? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'd love would love to ask a question. If we are, if we are granting for the sake of, uh, for the sake of analogy, that that this kind of thing might be possible that that somehow we can throw our mind uh, from place to place it, it seems that we're also granting that through some technological means we can we can throw our mind from mm-hmm. from place to place which which appears to me to suggest that the mind is physical and not some other stuff um, that, that can be transmitted from place to place. So I'm not sure that the analogy is uh, helping you uh, a whole lot because it seems to me that the analogy um, is, is more parsimonious with, uh, with uh, a mind being uh, a physical thing that we think we might eventually manipulate. And, and so I, I, think a, I
1: think that's a problem that yeah that's true and and like i said as um uh, one of my heroes that I, I worked with before he died Houston Smith um he he had a famous saying look, every analogy is like a leaky bucket it it can only hold water so far and sure. there are disanalogies right these are 2 sure. i'm just trying to get the i'm just trying to get the point across that Human nature, uh, a a single person or mind can have two natures simultaneously. If this stuff is is possible, I I don't believe it it is possible. I I would object to the notion of of this avatar thing. But I'm just using it to illustrate that single point. Now, in God's case, remember, that it's not like God doesn't have a physical body. He's an omnipresent spiritual soul who's, who's omnipresent everywhere. And one of the minds simply becomes embodied in um, the, the the human body, therefore acquiring the human nature. The divine nature doesn't have the problem of being. Oh, well, the divine nature is embodied over here. How do you how do you transfer a mind over to to the human thing over there?
0: Are uh, you are you familiar? Um, the, so uh, your listeners ought to be able to look this up, e- even though I can't call the experiment by name. Uh, but we actually have successful examples of people being able to think thoughts with no physical uh, with no uh, no joystick, no uh, no trackpad nothing nothing like that. we, we simply uh, hook sensors to their heads and, and we can now uh, move things like cursors on a computer screen on the other side of the internet
1: uh, so, so no, I I wasn't aware of that. So, like you, you yeah, that's a that's a real thing. So how? Okay, well, h- how would that work? Just out of not that it matters, but like uh, cool that that helps make the avatar thing a little bit more plausible, I guess. But it, it's so it, it it reads like the electrical impulses or neurons in your brain, and then somehow translate right. translate uh, translate that into computer code, submits that, and then the 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 mouse is like a remote is like it's got parts that it can move on its own based on that information is that how that would work
0: yeah so i am i am uh, not a lot more qualified to talk about this than than either of you so okay. certainly there's code on both sides there's the there's the code that reads uh, whatever sensors are uh, are placed around the head, right? So this was not an invasive kind of thing. This is just a this is just a band, uh, you know, sort of band that they put on the subject's head, and uh, and that's right. The band read the uh, read the electrical impulses for up, down, left, right, that kind of thing. Transmitted uh, what it thought it understood um, to a remote machine. I, by the way, I don't actually know that it was over the Internet. It was over a network, and the computer on which the little ball was moved was not in the same room, right? And then uh, they were able to talk back and forth to confirm that the person that was uh, thinking about moving this this ball or cursor or whatever, because the ball is just a stand-in for a cursor or whatever, uh, the they were able to confirm, yes, I intended to move it up. Oh, yeah, it moved up. I intended to move it down and left yeah you, you know that kind of thing yeah and and so i guess the the point there is that it does seem to confirm um that that our thoughts are uh, are physical things now i think i, I don't think it's entirely dispositive yeah. of the conversation um but i i do think that it at least requires explanation from the dualist perspective.
1: But I, yeah, I, I guess, so this is fascinating. As I said, I, I didn't know about it. So this is why I like, you know, you get to learn new things, but it, I don't think it's a problem for the substance dualist at all. It it just implies, look, we, we've developed this set of correlations, this electric set of electrical impulses uh, or specific set of electrical impulses in my brains, through asking you, what oh, I'm thinking of an apple. Okay, uh, this electrical um, process happened in your brain when you told me you were thinking of an apple. So this, now I correlate, uh, in computer language, when you see this electrical impulse, this equals thinking of an apple, or move up, or move down, whatever. Then you use that set of correlations that, uh, again, it says nothing about the substance dualism debate at all, Um, and then you use that uh, train, communicate the information, uh, the mouse has mechanics set up that it can read the information and then can move on its own in response to that that program code. So it, it's just, yeah, I, I can fully accept that um, if it's true and I have no reason to doubt it, that it's true. But it, it's just not a problem at all. Um, it it does. I'll try to
0: get the article so you can link it in your show notes. Yeah,
1: sure. Yeah, I love
0: it. So yeah, so that so that people can um, sort of follow along and. and Gotcha. draw their own conclusions because it, it seems only fair to, to try to make sure that they can do that based on the sort of nature of the claim right because probably yeah. most people aren't familiar with it and it can seem um, um, it can seem incredibly unlikely right so i'll I'll do my best to get it over to you for the show notes yeah
1: for sure yeah I love uh, a lot of our skeptics would love that but yeah I, I just in terms of the point I just don't I can fully accept this and it's just not problem at all. It's, it's just using a set of correlations of electrical activity translated into computer information um, and in order to get the, to understand the content obviously the person has to reveal you know this set of electrical activity this means I want you to move up or I want you to move down so it, it you still require a, a subject a personal subject it, it doesn't um, prove that we're physical certainly. So.
0: Well- but doesn't it doesn't it work to say that uh, that at least in order to demonstrate that thought is something more than physical? you have to be able to say uh, how it is that the non-physical interacts with the physical uh, yeah. to create these outcomes because otherwise what you're left with if you can't say that, is a set of physical properties that seem to be perfectly adequate to describe the nature of of what's occurring. And so, if you if you posit dualism, and I'm not saying that you can't. I'm willing to admit that this isn't entirely dispositive of the case for physicalism. But if you're saying that uh, that some sort of substance dualism is at work here, yeah. you have to be able to explain how it is that some this this non-physical substance um, causes this high degree of correlation uh, that you see
1: so, so I would deny that so so in my um, my solo show I don't know if you you heard that but in substance dualism part four um, I, I list out s- some of the arguments um, against substance dualism and the problem of interaction how the interaction takes place is among them but yeah i would deny that this this isn't a problem i, I don't need to have a mechanistic explanation as to how the soul and the body standing caught standing causal relations between each other in order to believe in it I, I could be totally ignorant of of that question the second is that it might even be it, it's probably a misnomer because um In terms of the soul versus uh, body, it it can be seen as a basic direct action. You're you're essentially looking for instrumental mechanisms or, you know, like, oh, this leads to this, this leads to this, this leads to this, and that's sort of begging the question in favor of physicalism. Um, Actually, in terms of the soul and the initial physical reaction, obviously, once the first physical reaction happens then it's a a series of dominoes down or instrumental causes my c fibers go off and the neuron pulse you know down to my finger or whatever's hurting um but in terms of that initial reaction or interaction between the soul and the first physical state or vice versa the first the last physical state in my brain translated to my soul could be what's called a basic action it's a direct action and there, there is it doesn't make sense to ask for intervening mechanisms because there are none. um the, the second was the second oh, sorry, No, no no this will i'll be quick so the second thing is i wanted to say in, in my show solo show substance dualism part two i t- i provided positive arguments that i think prove that uh various mental properties and states like thoughts uh, have to be non-physical e- even in assuming s- substance dualism is false pretend we are our brain at least with that first issue of contention um i i can argue that the thoughts or these states um, are non-physical in nature and i provided some two arguments there like the differences argument uh as well as the I, i'm sure you're aware of thomas nagel's the knowledge argument and that sort of yeah thing. Yeah. yeah um yeah so so that that's yeah, I would say we have we have the the problem of interaction actionism, even though I, I confess I'm ignorant, I, I don't know how it works apart from saying it, it just works as a basic or direct action. There there are no intervening mechanisms in that regard. Um but let's pretend there are somehow intervening mechanisms. I, I don't have to know what those are in order to know in order to advance substance dualism, especially since I have positive reasons. Uh, to, to suspect that these mental properties and states are non-physical in nature.
2: So I think I'm, I'm going to need to step in and cut short this conversation on substance dualism, which is uh, interesting, but it takes us slightly further afield from the incarnation discussion, which itself uh
1: still might last a little while. I, t- I told you that's why I put it as a presupposition. Yeah. But,
2: uh,
0: <laughs> so didn't mean to take you off topic. It it seemed to me as if the the issue regarding avatars uh, directly related uh, directly yeah. related to this particular bit. But perfectly happy to leave it for another
1: time. No, that was great. Uh, thank yeah, you. I, Thanks. I th-
2: I suspect there will uh, that despite everything that's been discussed the board will simply be taken over by commentary on Avatar. Um, (laughs) that's James Cameron. That's what happens. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm going to, frankly, I've forgotten most of your speech, and so I'm probably going to say some things that will sound repetitive and you'll say, yeah, but I responded to that. Well, sorry. Um, you're gonna just have to respond to them again. So, um, let me let me see if I can start in a different place than where I, I had intended here, uh, because of some of the ground covered. Uh, talk to me, Dale, about human um, nature okay. versus God nature. Are, are these are these different natures?
1: Yes, they're not identical.
2: Are they compatible? Yes. Okay, so. Uh, what are the differences what are
1: some of the differences what are some of the compatibilities so okay so and, and this is why your your argument your little premise argument fails premise three is is you're you're basically just saying they're not identical right so that was my main criticism is that that doesn't mean that they're mutually exclusive or incompatible so the human right. needs- so i I'm, I'm trying to
2: i'm trying to suss that out
1: so Right. So, so the human nature is is this: it is a it is a s- set of cognitive faculties sufficient for personhood, aka a person uh, that becomes embodied in a physical body governed by the genet- the human genome. That that's the essence of being a human. Okay. Say say that again. So it's it's a, a person. Uh, a set of a set of faculties sufficient for personhood whatever that might entail we, we discussed that earlier uh as to what some of the things are i think that uh, you know free will sentient intellect uh, so so far all of that can be ascribed
2: to my dog uh so that doesn't actually tell me anything about a human nature but i don't believe you um i, I dogs are not persons i would say okay you you say that as a claim and and I get that. And saying it saying it twice more and louder doesn't make it better. I'm just saying all of the things that you specifically named can apply to my dog. And so I'm just, I haven't I haven't actually heard a description of personhood that wouldn't apply to a pet uh, as advanced as a dog. And so I'm trying to get at what this okay. human nature is versus the God nature. And right now you're just describing the nature of any sentient being. Well,
1: let, listen, right? So in terms of the human nature, it is perhaps the dog nature. Let, uh, this is just complete rubbish. Dogs are not moral agents, for example, but let's pretend you're right for. The, I can go along with you for the sake of argument. Let's pretend dogs are dog persons um, that, are govern- that are in a physical body governed by the dog genome. Um, humans are persons that are embodied in a physical body governed by the homo sapien genome. Uh, cats, they are persons that are embodied in a, uh, physical body governed by the cat genome. This, this is human nature, dog nature, cat nature.
2: Okay. So then we're defining it by the genome.
1: If if all three are persons, yeah. So so okay. I don't put it this way. I don't agree with your nature about dogs and that sort of thing. But I don't agree with maybe, your assertion about what uh, nature is I'm either. Not, so how do we solve it. Here. So listen. Remember my my avatar thing, right? The think Maybe there's an intelligent alien out there that is uh, a moral agent and and has all these properties that I deny to dogs. Um, okay. Well, great. So, so then it's the same thing. It, it's the genome. It's the physical body that distinguishes these mind, these persons from each, from each other. Um, yeah. That, so that's right. what so the human
2: nature is the human genome. Sure. Okay.
1: Well, it's it's it, a mind.
2: So what's the God nature?
1: No, but it's it, it's a it's a person plus a person plus the human genome.
2: Right. And for me, it's just a genome. Uh, so, that's that's fine. I'm I'm trying to get your definition. So, yeah, the, the yeah. person which you describe as uh, a, you know, a, a, that which contains a personality. I mean, you're kind of describing the word with a word. Um, uh, and and it has a human genome, personality plus human genome.
1: Say, so can you? Well, if you're going by my definitions, person.
2: Uh, Plus, because person. Never really gave me a good definition of person. I've asked like for two weeks, (laughs) and so I keep trying to get that (laughs) great definition that I can that I can live with. Maybe you can just give it to me again.
1: Okay. All right. So, try not to use the word "person" when you do it. (laughs) Well, wait. So it's a set of faculties sufficient for personhood. What does that mean? So, number one, it's. we have we have we are intelligent. We are sentient. we have we are moral agents. We have free will. These are some of the things that I've offered. Um, we have a personality. A personality is a part of being a person. we have certain character traits. Um, so that's why I'm saying personalities are not identical to a person. A person is more encompassing. It includes our personalities, which can change, you know the, the person is maintained through, Personality changes um and that sort of thing, so that's yes, why I'm- you're,
2: what you're what you're really saying is a person is the total package of a person uh i'll I'll try to work with that that's not that's not terribly useful, but when we add the human DNA you know i'll I'll go with that so it's a person with human DNA
1: that's a person yes that's a that's a human nature All right that okay it's an. It's, you are an instance of the human nature. You are a person that has a physical body governed by the human genome. Okay. So, what's a god nature? The divine nature. Um, so, remember, there are two senses of a divine nature. So, the divine nature proper is not exemplified in any. The, the three persons of the Trinity are not instances of the full divine or complete divine nature. Only the Godhead is that, right? Because one of the essential properties of the divine nature proper is being tri-personal. Uh, God the Father is not tripersonal. God the Son is not tripersonal. And, okay, and Let's just deal with God the Father for a moment. Um, God the Father individually.
2: Uh, if we can speak of God the Father individually, I think we can. Um
1: so what um, he? yeah, so so in the second sense, with the divine nature, these are all the essential divine properties uh, of the of the complete divine nature that are inherent to persons. So knowledge is a is an attribute that a person has. So in God's case, that's omniscience, uh, because he's all knowing. Um, he's all loving. He's uh all-powerful so so these are the kinds of things that apply to the secondary sense of divine nature on a personal level so so jesus has jesus is omniscient he is omnipotent he's omnibenevolent uh these are the features of the the divine oops that
2: was just andrew signing off i think
1: no he gave an image or something andrew you still always muted you sent an image
0: yeah I'm still here I was trying to put you guys on speaker apologies
2: okay let's uh, let's get back to what you're saying Yeah.
1: um so so yeah the, these are things that uh, I would say make up the divine nature um as, as to again this is why we get into i yeah like I don't is something like eternality uh does that apply to the divine persons I would say yes. Um, some have said that it only applies to the Trinity. Um, it, I don't think. I think that only makes sense in relations to persons. But logical necessity, for example, that only applies to the Trinity as a whole, and the three persons are logically necessary in that they derive from that overall being, a part of the Godhead. Um,
2: okay. So that I'm 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 lost. I'm trying to break it down a little bit so that I can follow you without.
1: Okay, well, lawful. let's just say that. Min- minimally, it's om- being omniscient, omni-benevolent, uh, and omnipotent. Okay, and all three persons of the
2: Godhead have those same characteristics? Yes. So would you say they have the same DNA? N- no, not they have the same... If they have, if the they have all of the same characteristics, topics. how are they not the same person? They all have Let's the same see. knowledge. They all have the Whoa. same love. Oh. They all have the same everything. And, but so, in what way are they different persons?
1: Okay, so so put it this way: they do have different properties. So, for for example, under your view, uh, God the Son has the property of being begotten. God the Father is has the property of being unbegotten. Um, if you reject that god god the son has the property now has the property of having a human nature god the father let's go before the human nature though because we're we're getting there but that's that gets crazy pants
2: i'm just trying to understand the most basic unit of what these three people are compared to what we are so that we can begin to talk about mixing different natures (laughs) i'm trying to understand how they are persons and i'm i'm Trying, I'm starting to get a picture, I think, but now you're saying, but you know, their personhood depends on their properties, and part of their property is you know, what they know and how they feel, and what they and that's all the same. So, I'm trying to figure out how they are different.
1: Okay, so, so here's how they're distinct centers of self consciousness or sentience, they are they are an I, they stand in I thou relations to each other. That is a distinct that that is the distinguishing feature that the Bible itself. Uses to distinguish God the Son from God the Father. Now, in terms of them sharing certain properties, that doesn't mean that they're identical. And the same, me and you share the uh, the same property of having a human genome. That doesn't That's make right, us. Right, but
2: we don't know the same things. Our minds are not constructed. we uh, different synapses and so forth in the same same way. So we are different persons by my my, my definition, because we have different brains and we have different thoughts and. Um, so, but this is not what you're saying about God. So, I'm a right. little bit have, confused about, by that.
1: They have different properties in the minimal sense that they have they have their own unique, individual centers of self consciousness. They have their own awareness, self awareness that is not shared by the other two members of the Trinity, and that alone is enough to distinguish them as distinct, concrete individuals or or uh, persons, even though they also have. Uh, some properties that are the same that are exemplify the divine nature. They are each instances of the secondary sense of divine nature. Um, just like yeah, but part of the
2: divine nature is that there are three of them. Um, so that
1: well, that's part, I, that's part of the tr- the divine the first sense of the divine the nature. That's right,
2: and and I'm mostly mostly trying to deal with the second sense. I'm try- I don't even know if I will be able to to it to the second sense but in the second sense of the divine nature they all have the same thoughts because they they all know everything and they're all in sync with each other so that's where i get confused about how they're different persons you and i don't have the same thoughts we don't have the same body of knowledge either um you know, so you you know things that I don't, I know things that you don't. I have experienced things that you haven't we We are going to come at things in different ways, but if we both had the exact same patterns of thoughts and knew exactly everything perfectly the same, uh, I don't
1: know that we would be different persons so they so they don't they they have different thoughts um God, the Son has the thought that I am. Uh, incarnate, or I am dying on the cross, or I am God the Son. God the Father doesn't, doesn't know that. That would make him a schizo. He, he knows that you are God the, the you, the Logos. You are God the Son. You are incarnate. Um, so they do have different thoughts. Um, otherwise, it, it, yeah, that would okay, be... Then
2: a, they do have different bodies of knowledge, then. And it, it's not right to say that they all know everything, because they don't they don't know what the other person is experiencing for instance
1: so, so there yeah but there's not it's logically impossible so there isn't a, a knowledge proposition that god the father it's logically impossible for god uh to have a proposition that i am god the son that's not a that's not a thought that's not a a, a proposition that exists it's 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 like saying there's like saying there's no stone that god can make that so heavy you can't lift it there is no such thing and there is no such thought as god the father knowing he is god the son uh god,
2: only- god the father doesn't know what it's like to suffer on a cross for instance because he's never god. done it correct yes okay, so they, right? they don't know the same things they, well, they don't all know everything
1: cr- correct so so it depends okay how do you define omniscience God, omniscience is defined as God has knowledge, uh, all three of the persons have knowledge of all the true propositions. So that doesn't include experiential knowledge or knowledge by acquaintance, which are unique to the individual. Only Jesus the Son knows what it's like to experience death on the cross. That, by the way, humans, I have knowledge that God, none of the three persons of the Trinity do. I know what it's like to sin or to get... Uh, peeved off at uh sinfully peeved off at uh, darren lute if he leaves a comment and i you know i call him an ignorant foolish skeptic or something like that god doesn't know what it's like to sin he doesn't have experiential knowledge he has the propositional knowledge that uh sinning is evil uh evil is is so bad so
2: doesn't know what it's like to lust or what the what the forces are uh, of of something like lust that drive people to do things not in his divine nature, Jesus did
1: in his human
2: nature so let, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that but I just I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get some of this nailed down because you see as a Christian, I would have said no God knows that uh, i you know i would have I wouldn't have been able to explain how I thought he knew it but if if he didn't know it, I wouldn't have thought he was God um <laughs> So I, I, think that's, I think that would be problematic if you are saying that the god of the universe who uh, created us with these urges has no idea what that's like, and yet he dares command us uh,
1: regarding them. I don't think you need experiential knowledge. As long as you have propositional knowledge, that's enough as a foundation or basis to give. You know, I
2: think you do need experimental knowledge. Dale, an example would be if I, as a god, created a being uh, and I gave them the sensation of itching. Now I've never itched before, but I gave them the sensation of itching, and I gave them a command never to scratch. Well, that's absurd. I would be a terrible God. The people should rise up and kill me if they could.
1: No, that's... Oh, sorry, go ahead.
2: Well, but I mean, that's, that's kind of how this God is who commands, uh, who commands us to do or not do with sensations. He has no idea what, what forces are, are being dealt with.
1: He doesn't know what they feel like uh, experientially, but he well, does what know... What they
2: feel like experientially is everything. That is the human experience.
1: No, it's not. It, it's Adam and Eve were human beings. They had no idea experientially what sin— this is what the tree of knowledge of good and evil is about. They gained experiential knowledge or knowledge by acquaintance of good contrasted with evil When once it's actualized. They still sin because they had a propositional knowledge to know that it was wrong to do that, and that's all that's required. God propositionally knows the sufficient body of knowledge to know what it's— that uh, be, that telling uh, telling a lie uh, or or raping someone is sin. He knows the propositions. This causes great damage to the the yes, women. he knows it's sin. But
2: what he doesn't know is what ur- what forces the urges in the body that he created push us to. So if he doesn't have any type of experiential understanding of that, he was irresponsible to create such bodies and then. Uh, you know, I, I would say a grand amount of hubris to dare command us regarding our own qualia.
1: Yeah, I just fundamentally disagree with that. I think the propositional knowledge is enough of a foundation to give such moral commands. You, you don't need... I can need-
2: assure you that the propositional knowledge about sex does not come close to explaining sex. If, if you've never had it and all you have... Is the, the greatest, most detailed definitional propositional knowledge of sex, but you've never had it. You don't know what the hell you're talking about.
1: Yeah, that's complete bullshit. I, I think it's it's the oh, so I mean uh, that's complete. I- My favorite part of the podcast. I will not edit this out. It's because I got tricked by saying "damned," which I'm allowed to do because I'm using it technically. And then I, uh, okay, sorry, sorry. I love it. Um, um, What the heck was I saying? Uh, My beaver. See, you
2: have experienced something that that before was merely propositional knowledge.
1: oh well I, I that's my first time experiencing swearing, but <laughs> um I wish I could but okay so uh what what the heck was I saying yeah yeah um prop- the I had a good point the propositional one is a firm enough basis the experiential knowledge is not required, but I had something specific I was gonna say uh
2: well dang, I was talking sorry. about sex um and I was saying that if all you know is the the best propositional knowledge about it, then you don't know anything about sex. Oh, because yeah, has- it, it must be experienced.
1: Okay, so so this is kind of like saying it, it's the same stupid point of like let's pretend to judge. Uh, is judging uh, someone who's a a rapist. And they've never raped anyone. They've never experienced what it's like to rape. They can't judge, the guy can just say, hey, you you don't know what it's like to have the desires that I had. I couldn't help myself. I had to go for that woman, look at her. I mean, my my goodness, how could you not go after that? And the judge is like, you know what, you're right. I I haven't had the experience of lusting that bad and and actually the experience of raping. I can't judge you, I, I can't. My propositional knowledge that raping someone causes emotional damage and that it it violates the law. I can't use that. I have to experience myself. So, all right, uh, you know, line up, let me let me have at it. And then I can judge you whether you're good or bad. No, that's rubbish. You don't need experiential knowledge. Propositional knowledge is good enough to adjudicate on these matters.
2: Yes, but I don't think uh, that we can equate an antisocial behavior like rape with a perfectly natural and social behavior like sex so those are those are different things. we were made for sex we weren't made for rape by the by the Christian uh, way of thinking and you know good good society uh, thrives on sex it doesn't thrive on rape and so even from the naturalist perspective, I think we can make a distinction so I think that's a, that's kind of a false thing to say that we have to understand experientially what rape is to know that it's bad we can see the results of it. but if we want to know what human sexuality is you can't just read about it in a book and so that's that's all i'm saying and i think that there are good reasons to know what human sexuality is there aren't good reasons to know what rape is so god has given us certain orders based on just human sexuality and what you're telling me is he doesn't know what the heck he's talking about he, he just he he's he makes these orders, but he has no idea
1: right. he He has no idea experientially uh, what lust feels like, the qualia of lusting or sinning. and uh, he he created us for for sex, godly sex within marriage. He didn't create human beings to are all of our faculties, even sexual ones are corrupted by sin. so, that's it's not necessarily good just because you you feel it's quote-unquote natural uh it's it's not actually natural that's sin corrupting all of our natural faculties and that sort of thing so, but so but sex so that is this good. doesn't get
2: too bogged down in sex um calm down people it's not that kind of podcast <laughs> um
1: terrible love it i bet
2: <laughs> and honestly I wouldn't be talking to Dale if it was that kind of podcast. <laughs> Talk to someone else. Um, Andrew, for instance. <laughs> we might have that discussion. Uh, stay tuned. Who knows what's coming up on uh, Still Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> you are trying to keep us on topic, and you're so just i doing my best. Begging. doing my best. <laughs> just, just begging. I spoke <laughs> to the devil. I, sorry. <laughs> so, um, Jesus, then. Um, so we're, we're, I'm, I'm zeroing in on this, what makes the human, um, nature and the God nature. Um, let's enter Jesus and let's exit the whole avatar thing from my mind. That kind of, that kind of ruins the, uh, thing for me. It's hard for me to imagine that Jesus was born. So he wasn't uh, before in the old Testament. We have God uh, incarnating all over the place. He's shape shifting. Um, you know, he's he's uh, he's God in heaven. Now he's an angel on earth. Uh, he's he's. This is what I call shape shifting. He's just taking on different shapes. Um, Jesus goes through this pantomime of doing something more than shape shifting. I argue that it's it's. It actually couldn't be anything more than shape-shifting. Um, so Jesus is born uh, to a woman, um, and you know, as if to pantomime the process of making real humans, as opposed to just shape-shifting into a 30-year-old man and, you know, doing a one-year or three-year ministry, depends on which gospel you read. Um so let me, let me just ask you before I presume, was, was Jesus actually born as a human or was he more of what I'm calling a shapeshifter?
1: So uh, in the Old Testament theophanies, as as I said in my outline, this is the what you call a shapeshifter thing. God, God's divine nature was not subliminal uh, or or sublimated in any way, uh, except for the fact that he took on a, the form of a human body. Um, but he wasn't limited, and he was fully consciously omniscient, uh, actively omnipotent. His divine nature was not sublimated in those Old Testament accounts. Only when he's in the quote-unquote true incarnation of the New Testament does his divine nature become sublimated, and that's the fundamental difference.
2: Okay, so when Jesus popped out of Mary, was he an actual human baby? Yeah. With human DNA? Yes. Can you have human DNA without a father's DNA? Yes. Yes.
1: Are you sure? Yes. It's supernaturally formed, but God... God well, obviously but is, it,
2: is is it human without, yeah. without DNA of a, a human mother and a human father?
1: Yes. He has 46 chromosomes. Um, what the, are the other 23? The homo sapien genome.
2: What? What are the... I mean, so if we say that 23 of them are Mary's uh which i'm I'm not sure I'm not sure that we can as the, the way the story is told. What are the other twenty three? I don't know.
1: they're they're not from a biological father, but that is that they're is not human. No, they are. That's not essential having okay. prior a- sex. prior no. Just asking about
2: the scientific question here uh, if if we today put together a creature, and we took 23 female chromosomes and 23 chromosomes of a bonobo.
1: Would it be human? No. Uh, he's on mute. I don't think he's, okay. he can. So, uh, so why would
2: him. it be human if we take 23 god chromosomes?
0: God. I'm here. What was the what was the question? My apologies. Yeah,
2: so Dale and I had a little bit of a difference of agreement about whether Jesus was human. Um, I ask uh, because earlier Dale made uh, a big deal about human DNA, and I ask if Jesus uh, was born a human baby. He says yes, with human DNA, yes. And so I. I asking if he was sure about that. (laughs) He said, yes, but the DNA of Jesus doesn't involve a human male. So how could that be human DNA? And so I was just asking you, as a matter of science, uh, if you do not have uh, 23 from a uh, human female and 23 from a human male, do you have a human?
0: Okay, I've got to acknowledge all the way around that this is a part of the Jesus story that I never understood. Um, If God contributed the 23 male chromosomes, Jesus was just a guy. And if God didn't contribute 23 uh, male chromosomes or or 23 from the father, uh, a, a human father, I don't know what he contributed. And if he contributed something other than human chromosomes, uh, and and in essence the the Y portion of this of this whole thing, right? Because Jesus is supposed to die. Um, if if he didn't contribute that, then no, Jesus Jesus wasn't all human. By but, definition, he wasn't at all
2: but, human.
0: Right, but we <laughs> but we've got a but we've got a further we've got a further problem. And this is one that I don't, I don't think it gets brought up very often, but the, the truth is that, that all humans start life as females. It is only later, not much later, but some later
2: About 10
0: minutes, uh, in the developmental 10 process where we become male and so this idea that, that, you know, that God contributed what we contributed and, you know, then there's this, there's this Jesus character and it, I, I don't, I don't buy the whole biology part of it. It seems like absolute nonsense to me. Um, I, I don't, I don't get it and I challenge anyone to make sense of, uh, of the story, the way it's told it. Uh, you know, how long did God hang around inside Mary? There should be an ick factor in this story. Oh, Andrew, all right. Um, okay, sorry. Okay. I expected sorry. better for you. <laughs> all
1: right. Look, the the <laughs> oh, biology yeah. is not my fault. It, it, I, okay. right. okay, <laughs> it's so, not my fault. <laughs> oh, all right. So, so let me answer this way then to, to Circumvent David's little objection. So, number one, God is a supernatural being; He can create DNA ex nihilo. No one, de- no Christian would deny that. It's not a problem. Number two, okay, if you're going to, I don't agree with this, but let's let's insist that oh, you, you need the DNA of a human male to combine with the female or something like that. Okay, God ex nihilo created Joseph's DNA to combine with Mary's, uh, informing Jesus in the womb. Uh, Bible doesn't contradict that. There's there's no explanation of the mechanics, so I can just make that up. And and there you go. You got 23 chromosomes from the man. Joseph uh, just wasn't obtained in a fun way. It was obtained by God putting it there. Ex Nihilo. Um, as to the female, uh, I, I just say so. So what? Uh, what's the problem? The the divine logos it identifies as a male, and it was in a, a female body until the the hormones mm-hmm. until the proper stage came around uh, what what's the problem
2: like, why the is problem that? is that this hasn't been demonstrated to be true okay. and, and it's about six weeks i think it's a 10 uh minute ago it's about six weeks that uh, gender starts to differ that, that
1: could be right what, i, I what don't actually true? remember what, what do you mean isn't true that we're a female it is true that we're we are a female for the six weeks
0: no no what hasn't been what hasn't been demonstrated to be true mm. Is that there's a god out there who um, manufactures from nothing twenty three chromosomes and and somehow uh, gets inside this this young girl's body mm-hmm. and implants this this DNA material, that is, that is supposed to be human or or not human. I mean, if you, if you, if you can make it up that you know that God um, magically also got inside Joseph and took some of Joseph's DNA, I mean, look, we can we can. Why not just all... let them have sex?
1: Look, <laughs> look, if are going to do I mean, that. the point
0: is, we can create all kinds of wild speculation, and and at least one explanation that is equally plausible is that Jesus wasn't human.
2: Right, I mean, by definition, definitionally, and I'm talking your definition, Dale, because I ask about the, the whole human nature yeah. and so forth, and you gave me, you gave me DNA, I wasn't necessarily yeah. going to go there, but if DNA okay. is any part of the definition, then it by is. definition, Jesus wasn't human,
1: no, he was. He had Joseph and Mary's DNA created X nihilo. It's a supernatural event. I guess that skeptics don't believe in the supernatural. Tough Christians do. No, no. Okay, are the- but we don't.
2: But Joseph wasn't any part of this. We don't. We don't have that. We don't. We don't have the story where you know Jesus miraculously had Joseph's eyes. Uh, the story Wait. is that the Holy Spirit came upon a virgin who was untouched by Joseph. Um, it is
0: not that so, skeptics don't believe the story; it is that the story hasn't been
2: I demonstrated to be true. It, the story is incoherent. I, I think then,
1: he's saying it's not. It's not demonstrated to be true.
2: I mean, the, the whole uh, my whole argument is that the story is incoherent. In okay, so let, let part, let of, the, part, part of the part of the coherence thing. I there you go. Okay, yeah. Part of part of the coherence thing. You're saying it's DNA. Who, who's story talking? Gives Skype, Skype is Skype is probably uh, having some breakdowns because we uh, we we have been on it for a while. Yeah, it's got, it's got Skype, Skype just, it's, it's is
0: okay. I'm going back on mute and going back to my corner. But you you said you know what do you mean it hasn't been proven to be true? Well, I can equally as easily say Jesus was an alien. He had twenty three alien chromosomes it is it is equally likely I know that I know that you, know, you want to, you want to say that it was Joseph or whatever first of all that 's not in any account that i 've read but pretty broadly True. um so I mean you can make that up that 's fine yeah. you can you can make up that God created it ex nihilo he, he created some some male DNA from from nothing or <laughs> he hung around in mary 's body and did the the magic trick later on. I mean, you can you can create all kinds of stories about this, but it, it's equally likely that Jesus just wasn't human. If indeed there was a guy who was supposed to be uh, the supernatural gift to humanity.
1: Okay, so yeah, so that that's not equally likely given the biblical data. He was he was fully human. What, however, he got there, he had to be fully human, and. You're right, I can't prove my story, or... The,
0: hold on, the, the biblical data, the, the biblical data is the thing that can't be trusted here, because as far as we know, as far as we know, humans come from humans, they don't come from gods. And so if you, what you're having to do to say the, the biblical data is you're having to ignore everything that we just talked about, about biology.
2: So who, and and who so, so s- I
0: don't find the biblical data to be particularly interesting.
2: We also know yeah. that the people who, who, who wrote the sex? biblical story Adam. just didn't understand DNA. They didn't understand the process very well. So this is so not an insult to them. They just didn't know. No, and I'm going back to
1: my corner now, so Skype doesn't get mad. Sorry. Right. Thank, thank you, Andrew. So, so who had sex to uh, have Adam and Eve come in? They, they had human DNA. Um, no one had sex, and then they're humans
2: i would i would argue whether they did have human dna because the way the bible describes them uh yeah they could live for you know 900 odd years uh so you know i don't know i i don't i don't don't think that story makes a lot of sense either and uh by the way for the record you keep vacillating over whether you take that story literally or non-literally and so i can't really keep up there so are you taking it literally this week
1: I would, yeah, so I would say that I take literally, and I always have, I've never been inconsistent, that Adam and Eve are actual historical figures. They constitute the first human beings with souls created ex nihilo by God, um, and they, they were, yeah, they, they were created. So I,
2: I have not had that strong of a statement from you about that, but so that's fine. I'm glad to know where you uh, the, landed the there. The story... Right. So the
0: story of human DNA doesn't provide for the truth of the Adam and Eve claim. It's it's that easy. Uh, The story of of the progression of evolution doesn't point to an original uh, human man and woman, and it's not even controversial
1: oh well, sorry so it's uh, here, here's my so, so andrew you're you're entirely correct i i agree with you and i agreed with you at the beginning of the show um remember though i'm i'm not claiming to be able to prove that the virgin birth is true i'm, I'm not true. trying to prove the trinity or the incarnation are true um i'm just at least in the the this, this show i i'm just trying to prove that it's logically coherent. My, the models I give are logically coherent and that they're biblically consistent. So, um, yeah.
2: So, okay, but, but my, but my, my um, <clears throat> job here is to show that it's not, in fact, uh, logically uh, coherent. And so when I bring these things up, it is in service of saying, well, but you're, you're saying that Jesus is fully human. We haven't even gotten to fully God yet. Uh, you, you've you defined human in a very different way uh, that is not consistent. Once again, if I combine 23 human woman and 23 with a bonobo male, and if if somehow that came out, which it wouldn't, what you would get is something that's not human. You couldn't simply call it human, even if it looked like a human. Um, that's That's definitionally not a human. And so if God has done some kind of uh non-human magic to make this Jesus figure, you know, it it, it yeah. it's an avatar of some kind, but it ain't a human.
0: Well and Dale, I don't I don't have a problem with with the things that you're saying. I do have a little bit of frustration with the story, so if that comes yeah. across my apologies. It's not at all directed at you personally in any way. But back at the beginning I said that there's a bit of confusing the map for the place here and this is this is just that thing written large again so i I, in fact i said i had no idea this was coming but i i said then that you know you can you can make any kind of sense that you want to out of biblical well not any kind of sense there there are certain conclusions that are more likely from the biblical story than Mm -hmm. than others but so i don't i don't want to with too broad a brush, but the point here is that you're trying to put something on the map, the, the biblical story, that the evidence that we have simply doesn't agree with. You're, you're trying to put something on the map that doesn't appear to exist with Adam and Eve, and the story of human DNA, the story of human evolution doesn't appear uh, to have this idea of Adam and Eve in the actual place of human evolution, Regardless of whether you can make sense of it out of the biblical map,
1: okay, yeah, I guess so. That's true. Again, that's true. But I, I guess I would just question who is the one drawing the map. Maybe your your map uh, as the skeptic is the wrong map because your your map, by definition, says that supernatural is not included. It's incoherent. There isn't a, a destination for me to pin. Uh, I assume you would you would take out God. Um, a, a God existing, a supernatural being. So, yeah, but that's I mean, not what
0: I've said. That, that's not at all what no, I've that's said what I, uh, to to you. At least between you and I in the in the past, and and not on this show, I I am completely willing to accept that there can be something called the supernatural if you can demonstrate it. But right now, what we have as demonstration is. Is the history of human evolution uh, written large through our DNA, and and we can track back the regular progress of the human form, and at no place in this in this tracking back, as we as we move back to uh, less complex organisms, at no place do we see a, a, a an Adam and Eve road sign, and so maybe I've got the wrong map. Okay, fine, mm. but. If you've got a superior map, that map should at least point to uh, to some real things that I can hang my hat on. And right now, the Adam and Eve story isn't it, because the real data that we have says there's no Adam and Eve. So let's see. So I don't have a problem with supernatural. Let's let's, let's gotta... try
2: let's try probing the next bit of this because. It, uh... It started with me asking if Jesus was an actual human or just a kind of a shape-shifted avatar a human suit. Okay, uh, so let, setting that aside for just a moment, um, yeah, I would say that Jesus doesn't pass the DNA test, uh, at least as I understand DNA. Um, but let's just see how good his human suit was that he was wearing. Uh, so, Dale, could Jesus have sinned
1: um I think he I think he could have, but in light of his omnibenevolence, omnibenevolence, he would never <clears throat> sorry, he would never do so it 's the same same thing I said when we we sort of got into this um, can God sin, and obviously, in light of his own internal nature, the answer is it, it's it 's logically impossible for that to happen. But that, that is the constraint, his own internal nature. So when Jesus was human.
2: Humans can sin, yes? Yes. Okay, there's nothing within us constraining us from sinning.
1: Uh, well, that's not true. Our moral conscience...
2: Uh... Okay, but that doesn't stop us from sinning. That may, that may let us know that we've sinned, but that doesn't constrain <laughs> us from sinning.
1: We'll, we'll put it this way it, it's not so number one there are it's not an inherent our sinful nature is not an inherent part of humanity um so it, it's not that we have to sin to be human we'll we'll get there we'll sin, get there sin, but and, and you're sin. saying that jesus could have sinned yes okay I, so also god could could sin if you remember we we discussed this very early on in in the
2: Right, so you understand that's a very controversial position. I'm. Um, this is not so much a gotcha. I just did a quick search to see, uh, t- to take the temperature of the moment. Uh, it seems that um, good Christians, good, well-steady Christians are saying, no, uh, Jesus could not have sinned. Um, yeah. It's- they, they have very, you know, many theological reasons why he couldn't have sinned. So you think that Jesus was of the stuff that he could have sinned, that it was possible.
1: Yes, in the same sense that you could say that about uh, about God. Like, uh, obviously, there, there is no po- well, logically You would say uh, that God can't sin either. So, I know. I, I,
2: think that, that's, I think that even Christians who are hearing you now are scratching their head and thinking, no, but God can't sin.
1: As a counterfactual, so, so there, there's no logical, logically possible world in which God... Uh, and Jesus, in His human nature, sinned. Uh, their divine, their divine natures prevent that uh, from ever coming about. Um, but yeah, I, I do think conceptually, like the temptation to sin was real on Jesus' part. He could have. Well, wait a minute. Sin. So I'm,
2: I'm confused now because you said just now that their divine nature kept him from doing it. I ask you if there was anything um, that that kept him from sinning and you said he could sin if, if he could sin then his divine nature wasn't keeping him from doing it uh if his divine nature was keeping him from doing it then he couldn't sin
1: yeah i understand what you're saying I, i'm talking at a, a bit of a higher level um well, and well, come, down even down I... here, come down here with the normal people for a minute <laughs> could
2: he sin or not I'm not quite that high. <laughs> Can, could yeah. Jesus sin, or was there something constraining him from being able to do it?
1: It's yeah, it's it's hard without the. All right, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. Okay, let's let's take the this answer. So let's say no. It, it was logically it's logically impossible uh, for for Jesus to sin. Let, let's take that route and see where you go. I would go, then, he's not human. Why is why is uh, that part of the human essence? I, I already defined the human nature, and he added, being able to sin or not being able to sin is not a part of the human nature.
2: Well, it depends on what side of uh, the theological tree you fall off of, I guess, uh, because, uh, once again, I don't know if most is correct here, and maybe, maybe Andrew has some insight on that, but um, most of the... Preachers that I know would say that humans uh, have to sin; that we are in a state of sin; that part of the human condition is that we sin, and that you cannot live a person perfect life. It is not just that no one has lived a perfect life; it is that we cannot live a perfect life. So, I—that was my understanding theologically. Yeah, that's so. I mean, Andrew and I fell from the same. Theological branch for, for a lot of this too, so that you know that may not be a big sample size, but I was uh, I I palled around with not just Church of Christ but with uh, United Methodists and with the um, Evangelical uh, Covenant Churches. Now, one might say those are also not all that different, but um, yeah, I didn't I didn't encounter at least in my recognition uh, recollection. Uh, Preachers who were saying uh, that Jesus... uh, that that A, that Jesus could sin, and that B, that we could somehow avoid sinning. I think the whole point is that we can't avoid sinning, which is why we need Jesus. If we could avoid sinning, we wouldn't need Jesus.
1: So, but that's not... Sinning is not an inherent part of the human nature. So, it's true, I agree with you, uh, that the Bible says human beings... On condition, in their sinful state. Jesus wasn't in a sinful state. Uh, we are in a sinful state. We can't help, without God's help, we can't help from sinning. Okay, but Adam and Eve
2: was, wasn't in a sinful state either, and I remember on a show from last year, um, I don't remember the name of the show, people just go back and listen to all of them. Uh, this will be an early, early one, I think, uh, when we're yeah. talking about Adam and Eve, um, and I ask you very specifically, uh, Adam and Eve, so they didn't have a sin nature. Could they have not sinned? And uh, you said no. Are you changing no. your answer now? No,
1: I, I didn't say that. I said yes, they could have. They could have not sinned. It, it, there's a counterfactual where they didn't sin, or eat the fruit, but it's just the case that there is, it, there is no feasible world where they don't sin, where they don't choose to sin. Every possible world that God creates It just so happens that they use their free will to sin but that doesn't deny that that is
2: in fact what you said and i confused that for what i said and it still sounds a lot alike to me so
1: i don't i don't don't fully yeah and that's the the distinction distinction that i'm having that's the distinction that i'm having with god that's why i'm uh, sort of giving mixed answers and i just said okay fine i'll just go with the simplistic thing of he can't but is there a counterfactual where god can sin and he can sin or or, uh not sin and in every possible world he just doesn't sin um because of his own free will he's morally perfect and that sort of thing so he that that's sort of why i'm struggling in oscillating
2: motologically jesus couldn't sin
1: yeah there's no uh feasible logically possible world where jesus sins
2: excuse me and motologically, there is no world where humans wouldn't sin correct so it is once again just rhetorical to me to say that our natures are the same
1: that's yeah well it depends on how you define nature and that's not that's not an element or an inherent element of what it means to have a human nature so for example i disagree with this but Catholics, uh, many many Christians, believe that when we get to heaven, we lose the ability to, to have free will in terms of choosing to sin or not to sin. Um, I don't believe this, but there are so many that's, that believe on death our characters crystallize in a state of salvation. So it, it's impossible for me to even sin in heaven. I, I'm, I'm like an angel. I'm just stuck being... Um, Per- morally perfect for all eternity from that point on. Um, but the angels could sin. That's Exactly. That, that's why it doesn't, doesn't work, but you I'm just saying this. Do. Well, yeah, but uh, I agree with that. That's why I don't agree with this position, but I'm just mm. explaining mm. to you how the angels that didn't rebel in Satan's thing, they're, they're crystallized. They're, there's never going to be another angelic rebellion. Same deal with us. When Once we're in heaven, there's never going to be a point where the, the saved, you know what, the heck with God. I'm going to sin. Uh, I'm going to lie.
2: You know, there's never going to be another angel angelic rebellion. They're still sinning. The reason we know that is because Paul said that we would judge the angels. I and mean, if they weren't still sinning, then we wouldn't have anything to judge. I do know people that hold Dale's,
0: that, that hold to the position that they'll... Uh, but, I do too, but those people don't know their Bible
1: very well. I'm just, I'm, so. this, this isn't my position. I, I'm just—I right. I agree with you guys that we can be able to sin, right? But I'm—this I'm, is a Catholic position. Your soul crystallizes in the state upon death, so you can't sin in heaven. And I'm, I'm using this to show that. Look, it's—if—if if, unless that's incoherent, that—that that notion is incoherent, which it's not. Obviously being able to choose to sin or not to sin is not a, uh, having the ability to sin or not or uh, not to sin is not necessarily an inherent part of the human nature
2: okay well I, I don't even know that the creature that is supposed to be resurrected and goes to heaven is what I would call human uh, either because uh, yeah. the human what? genome uh, you know, allows for sickness and death and that body wouldn't. So I'm not entirely sure in what ways it would be human.
1: Yeah, let, let me rephrase that. So, so it is, it is uh, still human in a resurrected state. Disembodied souls are not humans. But um, yeah, so, so let me just qualify that. It, at all times, what I just said, that it's not, an, having the ability to sin or not sin at all times in history is not an essential element, but it is an essential element temporarily. Story of Adam and Eve, that's what it's about. So, and I said libertarian free will is part of being a person. So I, I didn't need to make that qualification that we have the free will and then it can be taken away from us at some
2: Okay. So once again, uh, just keeping focus on the coherence of this Jesus idea of being human. Uh, it doesn't seem to work DNA-wise, and also doesn't seem to work uh, will-wise either, because it may be will is the wrong word, but we seem to have a uh, propensity for sin that Jesus does not and in no logical world could possibly have. And so once again, I question uh, your assertion that he was tempted in the same way. For instance, um I don't know that it is possible for Jesus to look at a woman when I am of a certain mood the way I would look at a woman. Whether she was or wasn't my wife. My wife is in the other room, by the way. I have to be very careful around this. Um, a steak dinner might be in my future. I'll have to come up with some kind of apology. But here's the here's the thing. I mean, the fact is that's just that's just what it is um i am i am that type of creature that reacts in a certain way to certain stimuli period and so uh if you're saying well jesus couldn't have reacted that way then he wasn't human in that sense either and and he, you know what you're calling a temptation for jesus just doesn't map on to what i understand
1: a temptation to be Okay, so so yeah. So as as to the DNA, I did solve that because God creates supernaturally an ex nihilo a complete. Sure, human, sure. You, you solved human. it. We'll we'll see in the comments whether you did or not. That's logical coherent. He, he did that without either. Not and and secondly, go ahead. Well, uh, if, so long as the supernatural is coherent, then it works. Um, well, and then, yeah, so like, long as we can just make
2: anything up, so that you know when when an argument crashes, we can just make up a, a, a shield. But look, that's. We're 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 beyond that. Uh, So tell me, how is Jesus? uh, How does this temptation work? Uh, Right. If if he can't can't sin,
1: sin. how's he tempted? Right. So uh, I would say that number one, he can sin. Right. I was just giving that argument for the giving the Catholic perspective about that—that it's not necessarily a part of the human nature, as I define. Do you know the Catholic perspective
2: on whether he could sin? I mean, I'm sorry, uh, on whether he uh, was actually tempted the way we're tempted? Uh, yeah. He they,
1: actually they would he actually felt the urge to sin? Yeah, they would say that he actually felt the urge to sin. He okay. did look—he was tempted to look at a woman just exactly like you look at your, your wife or something like that. He, he was a sexual being just like every human. Uh, are you guys still
2: there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I'm just. I'm just processing that idea. Uh, so I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to figure out how far this goes. I talk about doubt in different, different degrees. Uh, you know, Christians when they uh, want to talk about this, they're actually talking about something that I call doubt light. I have various uh, degrees and stages of doubt. And so that's a, that's a different subject. I only bring that up because I think that temptation probably works the same way. Uh, there's probably a temptation light that I think that Christians are talking about and actual temptation, uh, that I'm talking about here. I'm just wondering, uh, if that doesn't apply uh, to what you think Jesus felt, because in order to get to what I think of as temptation, You actually have to have the urge and desire to do a thing and then
1: just barely not do it. Yeah, I I would in the full sense, I personally believe and I, I think Catholics are on the same side. Um, Arthur can correct that if I'm wrong, but yeah, th- this is. There's actually a Latin phrase. There, he would agree. There, there's a Latin phrase. I, I wish I could look it up right now or something. But like they, they say every attribute has to be exactly a, as um, humans, otherwise it can't be redeemed or something like that. So, at least in terms of the temptation of Jesus to sin, this was every bit as real as my temptation to. To sin or, or to do something
2: I honestly do not remember my church's view on this uh, because I've heard this is one of these things where it just just depends on what time of day and what Christian you're talking to as to whether they thought that Christian uh, that Jesus had this I know that uh, a large uh, portion of Christendom does not believe that Jesus ever had the urge or desire to sin and for a temptation just temptation right? you kind of have to have a desire to do it you got to want to do it
0: the problem I have is, is buried right down in Scripture. If, it's a, if we're going with the notion that every attribute the man Jesus had is exactly like the attributes that we share, then uh, Jesus had to sin because there is one thing that, that, that the New Testament is very clear on. And, that, and that's that all humans, all humans sin and, and uh, fall short of the glory of God. And I, I cannot make sense of the notion that there, is a, that there is a Jesus character who is all man that didn't sin in light of that idea. Now, perhaps it can be reconciled, but it doesn't make sense
1: to me. It's, it's because you're you're looking at the fallen, st- versus talking about humans in the fallen state on the condition of having a sinful nature, and it describes them. All humans with a sinful nature have to sin or, or cannot, they, no, no one seeks God and stuff like that left to their own thing. Jesus wasn't in a fallen state. He was the human nature, it, uh, morally perfect, with, without the stain of Adam's sin, so that this is why those verses are just a, a misapplication. It's comparing it apples It
2: seems rhetorical to call him human, then, because he was human like all humans, except he wasn't anything like humans. Okay. Because, I mean, the very, well, the very application of the bit. word yeah. human is o- only human, which is to say, you know, we have, we have these limitations. And if you say, well, but Jesus was human, but he didn't have any of the limitations, then I don't, I don't understand why you're using human i don't
0: either and god could have solved this problem if if, if the you know if the if the problem of sin succeeds through the line of adam uh and all it took for jesus not to sin was simply not to have the nature of adam uh this this story would be a lot uh better told by um by writing adam out of the script and, and i don't i don't mean not having him in the story I simply mean God could have at any point started another bloodline of humans who proceeded to be perfect by simply not allowing Adam to have kids and for God to uh to father their children the the way Jesus was fathered and and we'd be done
1: but that but that wouldn't redeem that wouldn't result in as many souls as possible being saved, you would still have all the prior humans it, under Adam.
2: What all uh, the prior and- humans? You could have stopped it right <laughs> at Adam's first son.
0: God okay. is able of these rocks to raise up children to Abraham. God can have as many souls as he wants.
2: And there, there didn't need to be a Cain from the line of Adam. Uh, God could have entered, God could have entered Eve, and put in a different twenty-three uh, chromosomes. And came out with a pure cane instead of an Adamic cane.
1: Okay, so so that's where my Molinistic figure comes in and says, how do you compare how many how many souls end up with salvation? So let's pretend God did that. God uh, did a virgin birth with Eve, and out pops spotless Cain. Uh, how long before uh, spotless Cain becomes spotful? full? Um, when you have free will creatures. Just because oh they come out spotless doesn't mean that they're not. How long
2: before to Jesus sin. would have ended up sinning? I mean, he 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 left the stage pretty quick. So if you're saying well it's inevitable that humans would sin, it's inevitable that Jesus would have sinned.
1: It's not. It's not logically inevitable, but it is factually inevitable. It, it's just the case. It's not that they couldn't. It's just that they wouldn't. And I've made this distinction with you before. So in, in Jesus' case, I personally. Against the, I, I would say that he he could sin, but he wouldn't sin, or or he past tense he didn't sin. If if spotless Cain came out, he could uh, remain sinless, but he wouldn't remain sinless. He he and or he didn't remain sinless if that world existed and was past tense. Um, that's that's what I'm saying. And God in His modal in His uh, middle knowledge knows that the exact outcome that results in the best possible results based on all the circumstantial changes uh, so you can say well, what if this what if that what if he did this differently but we as human beings have no way of knowing what the overall outcomes of that would be and okay
2: I- well, I'm, I'm still i'm still trying to figure out and understand the point of humanity of, of calling jesus human here so part of being fully human um, is to be, excuse me, let me start that again. Part of being fully human is to be only human, and this is a um, this is a thing that's that's kind of hard to deny. You know, I am human with certain limitations. If I could, you know, if I were if I were trapped in a in a high place, uh, say at the top of a mountain, never mind how I got on the top of the mountain because I certainly didn't climb it. Um. But but I'm trapped there, and it's cold, and there's no way down. You know, if I could be a bird for a minute, I wouldn't have to worry about it. I, I could go to any high place, and I would I wouldn't have to worry. But because I am human and only human, I am stuck with the human limitations, and I would I would be there, and I would die, and I would I would die in fear and cold and um, all that because I am human and only human. If you're saying that Jesus is human, but he wasn't only human, and he could tap into this other essence that he had when he needed to, then he's not human. Once again, he's just, you know, he can just put on and take off the human suit whenever he wants to. But that that has no relationship to the actual human experience.
1: So I would I would just say it's true that Jesus was not only human. He was human. And I would deny, though, in order to be human, you don't have to only be human. You can have multiple natures. You can't just assert and assume that to be human, you have to be only human. B.S., who who said that? David Johnson, who are you to say that? Um, So I would just deny that premise right out of the gate. Now, in terms of Jesus being able to uh, overcome his limitations, and he does, sometimes his his divine self is subliminal. So consciously, Jesus was... Limited, he he didn't have omniscience, and I'm open to the fact that Jesus wasn't consciously aware that he was God in the flesh or had this full subliminal self. He he might not have known that, and that's fine. So he was on a on a conscious level totally limited, like every human being. He didn't so know. So he
2: was. said, "I and the Father are one." Uh, you're saying that he wasn't making an "I am God" statement.
1: I think in the Gospel of John, those "I am." things are clear that jesus was conscious of who he was okay uh, so i, I say what the, you're
2: saying about this
1: subliminal stuff then well i just question whether those are historical i don't think the historical jesus said those um i think the gospel of john is, is it, it's it's accurate in what it's saying but those words never escaped the historical Jesus' mouth um that's what i believe well Okay, I wasn't
2: expecting you to say that. I'm like Craig Evans. Three three hours and 39 minutes in, uh, I wasn't expecting
1: that kind of revelation, but all right. Yeah, I I don't think that. It it just doesn't—it seems more probable uh, that the skeptics would be— the position that Jesus didn't say something like that is historically uh and that's you know John's literary license as an ancient biographer he, he what he's revealing is true on the lips of Jesus but but you're saying that John made it up Yeah okay. it was, you um, can say it you've you've gone this far <laughs> he, he made it up within the standards of ancient uh Greco-Roman biography and he speech made it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's not historically accurate. I'll say, I'll say that the historical Jesus probably if you traveled back in time he didn't say that. Okay. I'll, but could well,
0: he have made up that Jesus was human?
1: I, I mean, what yeah. <laughs> No, I don't think that. Um that and that that's different than uh like uh, uh, speeches um, are different than doings necessarily, right? Like, we we had Craig Keener. Did you listen to that show, Andrew? Where we had yeah, yeah, I did. But but this is this is the problem. So
0: yes, it is it is absolutely true that we can say things, and those things are different than actions, and and that actions um, should take precedence. So I, I don't have any problem with any of that, but that requires then that we be able to demonstrate that some action actually occurred in order to give that event precedence over something that someone said. And we simply don't have any precedent for thinking that a virgin birth is possible.
1: Oh, how do we go go back to that? Okay. Sorry. Uh, so my That's, next point, we can, we can get through quickly. We can we do a show on the virgin birth, and I'll fail miserably. Say, I, know I can't prove it, but I'll, I'll try my best to demonstrate a virgin birth. Uh, I will do that to you.
0: I am not trying to create a miserable failure. The, the only thing that I'm trying to do is indicate why I am skeptical of the story and why I think that skepticism is reasonable. In, in this particular case in regard to incarnation, which is the broader
1: theme right in this part of the show. And that so that's all I was trying to do. So gotcha. Th- yeah, I, was, I wasn't scolding you. I was trying to play, be playful with you. So. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> Moving on to the next phase, because I'm going to okay. get through
1: some of this, damn it. <laughs> um,
2: is, um, because people have listened to Dale talk for a long time, and they think that I probably haven't prepared for this show. I have wasted as many hours of my life in preparation for this show than Dale, and you're going to get some of it. (laughs) So, so. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, anyway, one substance, many incarnations. I, um, I'm just going to skip down to the bottom of this and see if I can't get a quick agreement on this. Would you say that God in his current form is made up of two substances?
1: Um, so so he's one substance, um, but he's you're talking about like Jesus' physical That's human That's right, body.
2: let's make this easy. Okay, so, we talked about substance earlier, uh, yeah, we, we talked do. about the God substance before Jesus, we talked about human nature now, and Jesus has both. You would agree that God is made up of two
1: substances, yes? So, no, so so God, <sighs> the Trinity is one substance, substance, the human body is kind of like a So pretend you have that dodgeball, that's the soul, remember? Uh, And then you stick on a little, you you glue on a little um, tennis ball on on top of the ball. That's Jesus' physical human body. Um, It's an add-on. It's not incorporated into the essence of the the spirit. You said that the substance of God was equivalent
2: to, at least for talking points, the body, the human body. Um, And so... The the God body substance thing Whatever that is that you're saying That God, the soul God thing with the three people in it Is made of I'm giving you that in saying But there's another substance That's separate, different from that That he's also made of Why can't you just say yes?
1: <laughs> because God, God isn't Made of that substance God being the trinity or whatever He's just the one substance But Yes, there is. There is a God. The Son does have a physical body up in heaven right now, so He's got.
2: That's a human body, right? This. Not just physical. It's a human body. Yes. Yes. In a human body. It's a resurrected human body. It's a different substance. That's but, 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 I'm, don't Pat. <laughs> not dealing with resurrection. <laughs> so leave that alone. We're, we're rambling toward four hours. There will be no more talk of resurrection. Um,
1: i
0: i am I am just trying to give Dale the the words and and
2: view that he really has though
1: so I do so yeah <laughs> it's a
2: human body, and that's a different substance than yeah God's yeah. substance, and God now is stuck and by God, I mean the first definition of God is in the Trinity. The three people are stuck with a human body as a part of their substance.
1: No, so so in myology, myriology is oh, the God. stuff. Okay, well I would just say no. That's is no so obvious. Why? Why? Okay, go ahead. Why? Uh, so, so in myriology, um, that's the study of parts and holes and their relations between each other, right? So sometimes uh, a whole, such as the Trinity, uh, doesn't have a property, even if its individual members do. And I, I, give, I give an example of that, I forgot what it is now. I, my brain is fried at this point, we're almost at four hours. But, um, or sometimes the whole does have a property in light of its individual members. Um, sometimes the whole has a property that its individual members don't have. So, it's not necessarily the case that okay, well, God the Son has two, is is a part of two substances: the spiritual soul, the Trinity, and he has his physical substance, his resurrected human body. Thank you, Andrew. Um, <laughs> I really was just trying to be fair. You know. I, no, I know. I know. I gotta work on my sarcasm. To <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, so 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 yeah. It, it's it's not necessarily the case. I get that you're trying to say. Well, then. Well, look now because Jesus, God the Son, has a, a physical substance as one of his properties. Therefore, the whole Trinity has this substance because that's a part of the whole. Um, I, I would just say that's not necessarily the. The case in terms of how it would work out myriologically. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Go ahead. Let's let's just jump to the
2: next one. I just I, feel, I don't.
1: Look, I, go
2: ahead. It, no.
0: I, I hate no, no, I hate to be no. the the dirty centrist no. skeptic here. I, I hate to be that guy, but I actually do understand that point. Um, oh, hey. I do I, I do. It's it's, it's, it's possible, for instance, for. Uh, some numbers in a number set to have different properties than
2: other numbers in the same set. But the set, and, but the set would be consist of those different properties. So I'm not. I'm, God, Dale defined God in in the first uh, level of definition as the Trinity, as all three, not not any one individual. Uh, and so the threeness is a part of. The God and they share one substance, but God has been infected with a second substance. Now, okay, so <laughs> on s- so, some level, God. Let's, let's let Andrew has come back. Has the up human
0: substance? <laughs> okay. But, so so let me so let me try to use an example here and and see if this is what Dale is driving at. Um, so if I, had, um, if I had a partial number set like, uh, like 5, 6, and 7, okay, and that's the, that's the total of the sets, we've got a, a trinity of numbers, 5, 6, and 7. Um, the numbers 5 and 7 happen to be prime numbers. They are only uh, divisible by themselves and the number 1. The number 6, on the other hand, is a, is a composite number. And so while it, is, while it is part of that Trinitarian set, uh, it does have properties that the other two numbers don't have.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Thank, thank you, Andrew. It's, uh, we'll have you believing in the virgin birth in no time.
0: Uh, yeah, don't, uh, don't, <laughs> don't push your it. breath. How, okay, <laughs> how, does that, how does that not prove my point? Um, anyway, I don't look. So I, I'm not saying it's dispositive of th- the case. Th- this I, I'm
2: trinity just... has more substance than what it had before the incarnation. Incarnation, you could say it had one substance. Post incarnation, you can't say that. <laughs> and so I, I did my best. <laughs> I, I I did
0: my best to put a good face on it.
2: Right. I mean, your whole <laughs> set of numbers, you can say, well, you know five and seven, this whole set had prime numbers, but now we added a six. Now you can't say the whole set is just one set of prime numbers can't say it anymore that's not what i said but i'm just I'm, I'm taking that trying to show that you can't now just add a human body to the eternal god and say no it's still the same substance that it was before you added that
0: yeah so i think i think the analogy works abstractly whereas when you start talking about substance we have an intuition and, and i think maybe it's an intuition even shared by the three of us though they'll i don't want to I don't want to speak for you, but but I think that uh, our intuition is that um, hydrogen can be hydrogen and oxygen can be oxygen, but once you put them together, they're they're water, and you have to do something particularly to break them apart again. Once once you once you once you get them close together, they become something different. And so I I don't know that that's quite as good an analogy uh, as as five, six, and seven in terms of different properties. But I think we do have this sort of intuition about substances, that that once you get two substances together, they're no longer the two different things that they were.
1: There's something new. There are emergent properties, right? Like the H two O wetness sure. is a property sure, that the whole yeah. has. That, oh, so, sorry to sorry, you. No, I was just okay.
2: so. Uh, let's just let's just
1: let's just move on. Let's, sorry, try, it. It. let's, let's try it. This is <laughs> where, where are you? This just is killing me.
2: Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter where I am. Here, <laughs> here, here we are. Um, we are here. The, okay. the human nature has limitations that the divine nature does not have is that a true statement yes okay and god now has a human nature
1: uh god the son does yeah okay so
2: does that introduce a limitation to god that he did not have no why
1: not because his divine uh, nature is still preserved intact uh, subliminally, right? So this is where I was getting into and in what way does he have a human nature? His conscious mind is is embodied in that human body well, is that is that a limiting factor or not? it's It's a limiting factor for his conscious mind, but yeah. But not his. Are sub- you
2: saying that he's stuck in that right. body? He can't. He can't. You know, shape shift into other things now. He can't the, um, the subconscious- extend his consciousness to other places. What are you saying? He's
1: limited in the, the subcon- His the subconscious logos could do could any any time pop out of the body, become actively omnipotent, uh, turn into a bird. It, it can do anything at every single time uh so omnipotence isn't gotten it's just converted to a potential or subliminal uh, mode i guess um rather than being something active in terms of him consciously being there. so the conscious mind of jesus is limited uh if he doesn't know he's god he, he doesn't know he can turn himself into a bird uh he, well, do, he does
2: right now i don't mean when he was on the earth
1: okay. oh uh, right so, so, no, now he's, uh, he's Okay. Um, so, I no, he is actively conscious. Uh, that, put it this way, that his entire divine, uh, uh, his, the Logos is entirely conscious. There are no subliminal divine properties anymore. He just has the, so now he's kind of like he was back in the Old Testament. Um, except it's not a, a, a mere human body, it's a resurrected human okay, body. Is he so, stuck in this body, or can he shed it whenever he wants to? I think well. So he can obviously shed it. He did during his biological death. Um, I I don't think that he will ever shed it. Uh, this is but part he could. of he could He's wearing it like a suit. He he can get rid of the body at any time, and he, okay. he did. Then
2: what? Then what use is it to say that he has a divine and a human
1: nature? Well, it goes back to the atonement. The human nature is necessary for the atonement to be effective. Well, you can and, say it was necessary then, but why is
2: it necessary now?
1: I think the resurrected, like, why, why does he have this resurrected uh, human nature? Because, again, it, it's for our atonement. He's mirroring what we are going to be going through. We're going to be like him. We're going to have resurrected bodies like him. Okay, but he's just wearing a human suit, though. He, he doesn't need it.
2: It's, it's just, it's just, just an avatar. He's not human. We've already been. He's God. He's fully God. He doesn't have any of the limitations that we humans do. And so if you say, but he's fully human even now, then you have to say that he has some kind of limitations now. This was the purpose of the questions leading up to this and uh, a part of the whole incoherence of this thing. You can't say that he's fully uninhibited because he's got the divine nature. But he's fully human uh, and inhibited. So one of those two things has to give. He's either inhibited or he's not inhibited. And if I might,
0: while you're right on that point, there's a a miracle that I'm recalling perhaps incorrectly because it's been a while since I read the passage, but uh, maybe the two of you can help me out. Uh, Jesus is wandering through a crowd and uh and a woman comes up and she's she's scared to face him directly or to ask him to be healed uh in person and so she comes up behind him and and she touches the hem of his garment and and his power goes out of him and and she's uh and she's healed right away the 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 mere touch of the mere touch of his clothing and so it, it doesn't appear at least in that case that that Jesus is anything like human
1: is anything like what sorry
0: he, he's not anything like a human and 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 this is this is while he's incarnate
2: right i mean yeah. he, and he knew that the power had gone out of him too so right he, he knew what right. happened
1: right, right. so, so. And in
0: fact he looked around for her to to talk to her
1: uh, directly yeah, so, so there are uh, places where the subconscious divine logos leaks out, right? Just like our subconscious mind will leak into But he our- knew it. He, he did know it consciously, though. That's, that's key here. He, he knew that uh, the divine power was taken out of him um, from this this act or something like that. So that would be so- an example of the, the conscious mind becoming aware of a subconscious thing. Um, similarly, he predicted the future about the temple. Well, this is this is the superhuman uh, subconscious logos leaking through and giving him conscious knowledge of certain things. But uh, at no time was Jesus, uh, during his time of humiliation, f- uh, fully consciously omniscient. Um, he, he was limited in, in that sense while he was here on earth, at least. Um,
2: well, so you know once again i'm trying to i'm trying to get a handle on how is he limited now then if he's full to be fully human is is to a, at least have some kind of limitation so even if you say he's not being tempted to sin right now which, which i don't i don't know why why he wouldn't be but um in, in what way is he fully human other than just having some useless human suit that he can discard any time he wants to?
1: Yeah, I have, I have an answer for that, but I'm second-guessing it now. Um, so, so in Jesus' post-ascension state, he has a human body. Um, I was going to say he goes back to being uh, kind of like the Old Testament theophanies. It's all fake. He, he's really Superman masquerading as a regular human being. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not sure now because if, if he's within the confines of a human brain, uh the human brain can't handle omni omniscient. So is 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 it fair to say that Jesus is still subconsciously omniscient and God is still consciously omniscient in light of God the Father and God the Holy Spirit? Um I don't know. I, I believed up until now that uh, Jesus had once Jesus ascended, he became con- fully consciously omniscient. He he regained those things, uh, but I'm not I'm not sure now. So yeah, I'll just have to say I have to think about think about that. I, I might be wrong about what I believe before. Maybe maybe he's still subconsciously omniscient, and um, co- just consciously knows a lot of stuff. Whereas um, God the Father and the Holy Spirit are are consciously omniscient. Okay,
2: so um, yeah. I'm going to. Give our, you know, two remaining listeners a break, um, and not go further into my questions, and, and just say I. <clears throat> so uh, consider this my um, closing Close. statement. I actually get the last word, but I don't even need it. So um, I'll just make it now. Um, this stuff is batshit crazy. Uh, I'm sorry. So the, the longer we talked, and I and I I wanted I anticipated a long discussion here, and I wanted to stretch it out as long as necessary to give the Christian a chance to make the best possible case uh, he could make. And I wanted to ask enough questions so that I could make sure that I got the best descriptions and explanations that I could. Uh from him, this is this is one of these cases where the more the Christian talks, the less sense it makes. Uh, and so, I, I actually don't mind letting, letting Christians talk for a long time uh, on some of this stuff. There is a reason why so many hundreds, perhaps thousands, uh, of people have lost their lives in bloody crusades over this one issue. Okay, it's it's all headcanon uh, all the way down. It's all uh, arguing about Harry Potter spells. As far as I'm concerned, there's no way, in fact, for one Christian to say to another Christian, no, my idea about the uh, nature of God is true. and, And I can prove it as opposed to your idea about the nature of God. And so really, the winner of that is the one with the biggest sword. And who isn't afraid to use it so yeah this is this is why there's so much bloodshed uh, over this and and there is a good reason uh why even someone as esteemed as my colleague Dale believes that most Christians that constitutes at least fifty one possibly fifty three point four uh one point four percent of Christians um, have a heretical view. <laughs> There's a significance to that number of people. Sorry, I flung, flung <laughs> it. <laughs> Most of you will know what it is. Uh, there's a reason why he thinks that they would have a heretical view. One of the questions that I intended to ask him at the beginning of the show, uh, and maybe he will answer it in his close, is what percentage of Christians do you believe uh, agree with your particular view of the Trinity, uh, have your precise view? Um, I'm curious about that. The fact of the matter is, there is room for lots of trinities, lots of views of the trinity, because there's no way to make this story make enough sense so that everyone agrees on the same version of the trinity. Three in one. Stop there. Um, You know, a three-headed beast. This is no way, by the way, represents a a good version of the trinity. Uh, People I grew up would have probably called that a heresy. Um... But, you know, if we just wanna say the words, three persons in one, three who's, one what, and then we break for lunch, we would be fine. But the moment you start breaking that apart and asking the next logical question and forcing people to actually try to understand what that really means, it breaks down completely into utter incoherence. Every part of this, I could have asked 10 more questions that would have demonstrated the incoherence of this idea. And the deeper it goes, uh, the more incoherent it is. Uh, And so my job really isn't to convince anyone that the Trinity isn't true, I don't care. Honestly, I don't care if you say your God has three heads uh, on two bodies and one metachlorian substance. It does not matter to me, it's your story, you do you. But if you're asking me, is it coherent, does it make logical sense, the answer is no, absolutely not. And if that's important to you, then you ought to stop being a Christian right now because it doesn't make any sense. Now, I can tell you, when I was a Christian, it didn't make any sense to me either, okay? Confession time. No, I wasn't a hypocrite. I just didn't think that it had to make sense anything it had to make sense because you know it's one of those mysteries god is 3 in 1 okay paradox big deal uh, mary was a, a pregnant virgin paradox big deal we we lived with paradox all the time and all paradox was was some impossible uh, thing that couldn't happen that we wrote off as God. Well, God's God and he can do anything. And so we don't have to understand it. We just have to believe it. God told uh, uh, Abraham to kill his kid, but God is good. God who tempts no man with evil paradox. So what? Just have the faith, believe in it, go to the country buffet after that uh, and enjoy your day. That's how you should deal with this stuff. The moment you deal with it, with any level of seriousness beyond that, then you end up with incoherence uh, and if that is important to you, it wasn't to me, but if it's important to you, then we're going to make room on the skeptic side of skeptics and seekers. We welcome you with open arms.
1: Enjoy the buffet. All right, Andrew, uh, did, did you have a closing statement or anything?
0: Very briefly. So I guess the first thing I'd start with is is where I started at the beginning of this of this show. And thank you both uh, for having me on. Uh, uh, deeply, I deeply, deeply appreciate mean it.
2: having you and Emma on.
0: Yes, well, yes. You know, so, so,
2: I uh, actually invited Emma, and uh, Andrew just insisted on hogging the mic, as how this worked out.
0: <laughs> well, you know, she's got really short arms, so it's easy to hold it over her head. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a four month old joke for people who didn't get it. So. so I'll, I'll close this where i uh, largely where I started don't confuse the map for the place we've all been uh, in cars and using a navigator at least the the story is is broadly enough told that we know that navigators can be wrong on the facts and the only way to know whether you're confusing the map for the place is to go and look. And right now there's no, there's no way to go and test the Christian story. It may or may not be true, but the time to believe in a thing is not when you have an argument for it. Not when you, not when you have a, a handwritten map. The time to believe the thing is when you're there. And that brings me to the last part of my close. I don't, I don't care much about this discussion over the Trinity. I appreciate being able to be part of it. But it wasn't a big deal to me as a Christian, and it's not a big deal to me as a skeptic, because this doesn't get to the heart of the Christian claims that that Christians need you, the listeners, to believe. What are those claims? That there's a God that can live forever? That there's a God that does or does not have an eternal torture chamber waiting for you? that there's a God that has the capacity to rightly judge every person and draw a line down the middle between the good and the bad, that there's a God that can know all things, that there's a God that is all-powerful. All of, all of those things are central claims that, that remain to be demonstrated and the time to believe them is only once they have been. That's how I found my way to the exit. And while I think this conversation was incredibly interesting, and Dale, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate the, how deeply you look into these things. It's those central claims that, that got me uh, to the door. And uh, once again, thank you both for letting me come on. Uh, I love skeptics and seekers,
1: and, uh, and I deeply appreciate you both. Oh, uh, you're welcome. Yeah, you're you're welcome back anytime. As I said, same and same with Matt as well. We haven't mentioned him. I I appreciate and respect him. So, you we're all a team. You guys are, as long as David's cool with that. But.
2: Oh no, I'd uh, I'd love to have Matt on um, as a yeah, as thanks. a guest sometime. Yeah, I would I would have loved to have Matt on to take care of the fourth hour of this
1: show <laughs> and give me a break. So, I mean... <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try to get, uh, as, as you know, David. I, I want to get uh, so with with Andrew if if I can get JP Moreland to come on to discuss substance dualism. We can do that. And and for Matt, uh, I know he's interested in evolution. So I, I think I could. Um, I have contacts with William Dembski and Michael Behe. Dembski, he's the one. I uh, it's probably going to be Behe if if anything. But yeah. So like I I have plans to. Bring Matt on. You're welcome on the show. If I can get Beehe to agree to come on, so uh, yeah, yeah, great, great show, guys. Um, for my oh, my closing. Um, so, so yeah, what what are the threads? Um, totally forgot. Um, what are the threads with this coherence of the Trinity and in, in Incarnation that I want you guys to get? You know, Trinity and in Incarnation for dummies. That the the summarized version of what I'm saying with all this. So, look. The Old and New Testament, the scriptural data gives us this: the two elements. There are three distinct individuals or persons that are said to be divine. They all share one identity, Yahweh. There is one God, only one God worthy of being worshipped. Uh, being worshipped. That's that's it. If you if you recognize that, then you are saved. As to asking the next part, the what question that we focused on, what, what does that mean? How, how do we make sense of this biblical data? Uh, you don't have to be afraid of, of getting things wrong. M- maybe my model's wrong. Maybe group mind monotheism is correct. And, and I'm I'm mistaken in my advocating for Trinity monotheism, uh, which by the way, David, for your answer, just as a rough guess or estimation, I would say that, believe it or not, my view uh, is the majority view on the Trinity. Uh, for peop, for Christians that have thought about this. So I, I'm consistent with the creeds, right? The Chalcedon Creed, which is a major thing that covers Catholics, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Orthodox and pro- Protestants, uh, which is the majority of the church. Um, incarnation, probably not so much. Um, I, I'm probably a minority view in, in advocating for this partialism type notion. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I would be the majority view, but maybe Arthur, if you're listening and you know the stats, you can correct me if, if I'm wrong on that. Um, but but yeah, so don't be afraid to engage in this knowing about God's nature, grappling with these hard hard issues. It, it's not meant to be easy. It, it's a challenge. I mean. Or we're trying to adjudicate the nature of an infinite God. What What do you expect? Of course, we would expect confusion, and that's good. That's good for human beings to grow, uh, develop, it, and learn more about the wonderful nature of our of our heavenly uh, Father, uh, our, our heavenly God, um, to to use the proper term. So, um, yeah, I, I think. I would just want to implore you guys that this is an essential doctrine that strikes at the heart of christianity jesus deity this is why i get to look at Jehovah's witnesses and say you're going to you're going to hell you're not a christian you can use those words you can profess being a christian but you're not one you deny an essential biblical doctrine that jesus is yahweh that he shares that divine identity um so yeah hopefully you guys have learned some things. I, I don't have answers to everything. No, nothing David um, or Andrew have said have shown that my notion is incoherent. He, they pointed out some further elements that I haven't thought about where I've had to go, I don't know about this or that. Um, but that doesn't mean that it, they've proven something's incoherent just because I don't have an answer to that. The the parts that I do know about are coherent. God is three persons or minds within one spiritual substance, a soul, just like Kerberos is is like that in a physical way. Uh, Secondly, the incarnation. God is one person with two complete natures. He has all the essential properties of the divine nature, all the essential properties of the human nature uh, within the one person. He's like a cup, uh, one cup with water and oil that don't mix. So yeah, thank you guys for, for listening. Thank you for putting up with my, my long blogs. Thank you to, to David and Andrew for giving me some substantive exchange and, and challenge on this. And for, and for both of you guys being real seekers and uh, doing your best to, to grapple with this. And, and you came away disagreeing. I, I respect that. Uh, yeah.
2: All right. And uh, next week I have no earthly idea. But it's gonna be better than this show. God damn it! So,
1: <laughs> wait a minute. C- cut. Um, next week. <laughs> this I is this is my favorite show of the know. season. This is my favorite show of the season. Just so you know. Uh... <laughs> God, <laughs> just shoot me.
2: Um, th- thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye bye. Thank you,
1: Bob all right yeah good good show guys thank thanks uh thanks for doing that i appreciate it